0: And uh, this one lightning bolt, just, I was looking out the window and it just struck right next to this hut. And when I say right next, I mean it was maybe two meters away from me. And it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I really, for a split second, I thought I was going to die. I just thought that was it.
1: When you lose something you never thought you would lose at such a young age, you really realize how fragile life is, and how nothing lasts forever. And that is a tough lesson for a six-year-old to learn. And that, my dear friends, is how it started. The butterflies fighting inside my tummy, banging against my lining. And for years and years, I would identify this feeling with the feeling like something bad was going to happen, or that I was going to get into trouble. the episode of refreshingly human with myself Hannah Pillow this is a podcast about shared experiences and human connections this month we are exploring emotions and feeling the feels what does it feel like to just embrace your feelings and why do we feel the way we feel in this episode i'm going to be exploring fear now fear has been a very constant emotion in my life for such a long time And it's been something that's been there all the time, but I wasn't always so aware of it, you know? Does that make sense? So fear, right? It can look and feel different to everyone. CBT practitioner Sarah came on the show a few weeks ago, and she spoke all about how fear can be a survival tool. And to quote her, she said, Survival of the fittest? No. Survival of the most anxious. And this really got me thinking about the role that fear had played in my own life. Today, I'm going to share my own personal experiences with with fear and some of my friends are going to creep onto the show and share their own experiences as well. So before I start, just a disclaimer, that this episode is based on personal stories. We are not experts in the topic of fear, but I hope that by openly sharing these stories, we can find some common ground or even start thinking about the role that fear plays in our own lives. And these stories in the episode are of a sensitive nature. So so just a trigger warner to any of our sensitive listeners out there, you might wanna sit this one out. With all of that out of the way, let's dive into the topic of fear. I want to start with what fear feels like to me. And I appreciate that it would not feel the same for everyone. We often hear the expression, butterflies in my tummy when it comes to anxiety, right? Well, that's exactly what fear feels like to me. Although they are not peaceful butterflies minding their own business in my tummy. These are angry ass butterflies. They're beating against the lining of my tummy, trying to escape. And I remember as a child, I used to suffer with a lot of unexplained tummy tummy aches. Now, why the hell would a child suffer with anxiety or fear, right? To be honest, I don't think that's that abnormal. I think that a lot of kids do do suffer with fear and anxiety. But I'm just going to talk a little bit about why I did. Now, if you have been following this podcast from day one, Hi there. I know you've been listening from day one. Thank you for your support. If you haven't, backtrack to the first episode, please. (laughs) Now, you will know, again, if you have been listening from day one, you will know that I had lost my dad at a very young age, at the age of six. And this was covered in the first episode of the podcast, which is called Our Journey Through Grief.
0: I'm not sure this is a good thing or not, but I can think of a few times in my life where I've actually been just... Terrified, like afraid for my life. <laughs> uh, I, there's one that kind of springs to mind from the last few years. Um, I was in Cambodia and I was kind of backpacking and stuff and there was this crazy lightning storm. I've never seen anything like it. I've seen a, a whole bunch of lightning storms in my time, but this was uh, like right above us. It was so loud and deafening. it was it's just so intense. And I was in this little kind of straw hut cabin next to a swamp, basically. I think that's the best way to describe it. And uh, it was getting closer and closer all the time. And I remember just kind of being in bed when this was happening because it was pouring rain outside as well. And uh, this one lightning bolt, just I was looking out the window and it just struck right next to this hut. And When I say right next, I mean it was maybe two meters away from me, and it was the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. And I really, for a split second, I thought I was going to die. I just thought that was it, and my heart just about leapt out of my mouth. Um, I was sweating. <laughs> I was like, I'm laughing about it now, but I really thought I was dead. Uh, it was. I just heard the snap of it bouncing off the ground, and then the light. Like normally, there's a delay between the light and the noise, and there just wasn't. It was just where I was it was insane just kind of made me think about the power of nature but also how quickly everything could disappear like that could be it one minute you're here the next minute you're not I guess that's a good reason to make the most of it
1: I want to paint a little picture to set up the scene for you just so you can visualize the moment that fear seeped into my life. I was six years old. And one night, daddy was reading me a bedtime story. He was tucking me into bed as he usually did. And I went to bed feeling safe, secure, with mommy and daddy in the next room. The next day, I was sitting on the couch in my lounge and the phone rang. Mom answered the phone. Her face went white and I could hear it in her voice something was wrong. Daddy's shop has been robbed, she said to us. Pray that no one gets hurt. And guys, I prayed my little heart out that day. And then the second call came. Daddy's been shot. Keep praying. Siblings and I were pushed into a car. We were drove to the hospital Mum tagged in Uncle and she rushed into the hospital. Uncle drove us around in circles. Uncle tagged in babysitter as he left us at our grand's house. And we waited. And we waited. And we waited. And then the call came. The babysitter's daughter. She must have been around seven at that time. She saw her mum break down into tears as she answered the phone. And the daughter looked at me with a blank stare and she said, your dad's dead. And that is how I found out that my dad died. When you lose something you never thought you would lose at such a young age, you really realize how fragile life is and how nothing lasts forever. And that is a tough lesson for a six year old to learn. And that my dear friends is how it started. The butterflies fighting inside my tummy, banging against my lining. And for years and years, I would identify this feeling with the feeling like something bad was going to happen or that I was going to get into trouble. For years, I could not give this feeling a name. I had no idea what it was, but it was the butterflies in my tummy fighting to get out. You know, guys, we are so privileged to be living in a world Right now, where mental health is so openly spoken about. I mean, I'm on this podcast right now, very openly and honestly sharing this experience with you. And so many other people are doing that. And this really helps us all discover what we might be feeling or find comfort in the feeling that someone else might be going through something similar. But when I was growing up, I did not have access to this information. (laughs) You know, call me like an old lady, but in my days, we did not have such social media outlets as we do today and it really took me years to figure out what my feelings were and why I was feeling them and what they were telling me. Today I am 32 years old and it was only about 4 years ago that I actually gave this feeling a name and I remember the day. I was feeling like something bad was going to happen and I texted my friend and I asked her I was like hey do you know that feeling when you feel like something bad's gonna happen or like I'm going to get into some sort of trouble and she responded oh you mean anxiety and I was like shit yeah that's what that is and once my butterflies had a name I could talk to them And I could discover what it is they were saying to me and I could realize that they were trying to tell me something my entire life. Fear serves as a guide. It tries to warn us of oncoming danger. I lost my dad at the age of six and my body shut down and it went into survival mode. And my fear was trying so hard to protect me, to warn me that things could go wrong at any moment. Alarm bells had set inside of me at an early age and once I understood where my fear was stemming from and what it was trying to do for me, I could find the tools I needed to embrace it and placate it when I needed to. You know, fear in itself is meant to be a scary emotion. And it can make us feel all sorts of things. For me, personally, understanding the fear really helped in making it seem less scary. Have you ever had an ongoing fear in your life? Do you have a story about fear that you would like to share? Email me at refreshinglyhannah at gmail.com if you want to be featured on my social media this season and help share stories with the Refreshingly Human community.
2: I've only ever had one panic attack in my life and it's not something that I'm proud of. Um, by training, I'm a scientist, so I like to think of the world as logically as I can. And I know that most fears are irrational. Um, you know, I, I don't mind that occasionally I'm afraid of the dark or occasionally I'm afraid of heights or something like that. I, I really don't mind those kinds of irrational fears. What I do mind is when fear changes how I act. Um, now, there was one time I had to fly from Brussels, where I live, to Geneva to go to CERN, which is a, a big physics lab. And this is the kind of journey I've done before. It takes about one hour and a half. Um, and there's a bit of travel involved, getting to the airport and so on. Now on the day, I happened to have quite a bad cold, so I'd taken some paracetamol. It would have been enough to take care of the amount of time from getting, my, getting from my house to the airport, getting on the flight and then getting to my uh, hotel at the other end. But the flight was delayed. I was there in the most comfortable clothes I could find. I had jogging trousers on and a a very soft jumper. And I was basically intending to just sleep on the flight if possible, Um, I would get to the other end, get to my hotel and just sleep. And that, that was all I had to do was get to Geneva and sleep. I then found out that the flight had been delayed for a few hours and that's not particularly unusual. So I was sitting there in the departures lounge. I managed to find a chair, which was quite lucky. But I could tell the painkillers were wearing off and everything had been checked. I didn't have anything else on me to take. So my headaches were returning. My fever was returning. I was in quite a a bad mood. um, And I was having to wait with very little entertainment for this plane to arrive and get ready. I then got onto the flight and the flight was fairly straightforward. Uh, just ran across Central Europe, which you think would be nice and easy, except we had a bit of turbulence that day So there I was very ill lightheaded um, I wasn't feeling particularly lucid um, And then there was turbulence and I just couldn't stop thinking well, what if the plane crashes? That'd be terrible um, If you've ever flown into Geneva Geneva is actually in a valley next to the lake and the airport is very close to the town. And you have to descend quite steep to get in. It's a journey I've done many times, so I, I should have known better. I should have said, well, it's fine. You know, it happens that sometimes in a valley, you get turbulence, and when you have to descend that steep and that close to the city, um, it, it can feel a bit dramatic, but it's normal. They've, they've done this thousands of times. I've done it about 20 times by that point. But for some reason that day, That's not how I felt. I felt really scared that we might crash, that something bad would happen. And I started to breathe a bit more quickly. Now, because I was ill, my sense of time and passing of time was not very reliable. So whereas I thought I was just taking deep breaths just to calm myself down, I was probably hyperventilating. I was breathing too quickly. What happened next is something that had never happened to me before and had never happened since. But from what I can tell, it's actually quite a normal response. I think I ended up with too much carbon dioxide in my blood because my hands turned white, they went cold, my fingers curled up and I lost the sensation in my, the end of my fingers and then eventually in my toes and my feet as well. I was unable to use my hands. I was ill. And I was on a flight uh, full of other people Um, and I was unable to even get out of my seat. The people sitting next to me were very kind. They knew that I was having a bad time. They saw it as a panic attack and they contacted the uh, cabin crew. Um, They got everybody else off the flight. They got me to the back of the plane, gave me some water and some coca-cola which I couldn't drink by myself because I still couldn't use my hands. I, I was holding the cup between my clenched fists. I did manage to spill it which gave me a wet stain on my upper leg, didn't look very good, and uh, eventually they called an ambulance to take me from the plane to the main terminal. Um, I was absolutely fine in terms of what was physically wrong with me. There, there were no problems beyond this panic attack that I'd had. Um, and the effect that it had had on my hands and feet Um, and the paramedics and the ambulance knew that. But I didn't. At the time I had no idea what was happening. I had no idea if it was normal. I had no idea if there was some underlying condition that I had. I had no idea that maybe the illness that I'd gotten to the plane with was much worse than I thought it was. After a while they reassured me that I was going to be okay, that I should just take my time and that things will return back to normal. Um, and I eventually got to where I needed to be. Now I said I was going to go to a hotel, that's not actually true. The university that I worked for had uh, a flat but it was a bus ride away um, and I was going to have to go on this bus ride in the middle of the night in a place where they speak French as the first language and um, I, I do speak enough French to do that but not when I'm ill. Um, and so I managed to speak to my boss and she got me into the hotel on site so that I didn't have to leave the site that day. It's not easy to do. It's quite hard to actually convince the hotel to uh, give me access to a room, but we got there in the end. Um, and as I was trying to get to bed that night, I remembered that I, I had to write an email to somebody to say, this is what's happened and I don't know what to do. Um, I, I might just end up going home. and. By that point, my hands still hadn't returned to normal. I was able to use one finger on each hand, and with that, I typed an email, hit send, and then slept. The next day, I went to the doctor on site to ask for help. I tried to explain as best I could what happened, and they looked at me as if I was was wasting their time. Um, Afterwards, I found out that this is the kind of thing that can happen if you hyperventilate um there's something to do with the balance of the oxygen carbon dioxide in your blood that can actually cause these kinds of physical reactions but if you put yourself in my position where you're there on a plane by yourself in a foreign country where you only just speak the language well enough to be able to get from one place to another you know you can get by in day-to-day life but not for a medical emergency that's scary on top of that what caused the panic attack was overreaction to an irrational fear. I thought the plane was going to crash. Of course, it didn't crash and it wasn't going to. It was a very safe journey. But that fear took over me. Um, And I had the only panic attack uh, I've had um, on that plane. And then the reaction of other people in, in some cases helped, in some cases made it worse. But it wasn't until about a week after when I'd actually read up about what had happened that the fear went away. Now that's something that in itself is quite scary. I really don't mind the irrational fears we have. If you're scared of heights or even if you're scared the plane will crash, that's fine. Those fears are normal. It's when fear changes how you act and how you think and it won't go away that it bothers me. And that's something which you have to learn to live with. Some people have that kind of fear all the time. I'm fortunate in that most of the time I don't. Most of the time, I just say to myself, Aiden, you're being irrational. Of course, the plane's not going to crash. You know, of course, things aren't more dangerous just because it's dark. You know, there are no monsters around." But some people live with that anxiety. It's very difficult to deal with. And I also, as I said at the very, very beginning, do feel a bit of shame that I wasn't able to control my reaction to that fear. I felt like a, an anxiety attack, a panic attack like that is something that other people had. But it happened to me and it could happen again. And that is fear stacked up on top of fear, stacked on top of fear. We can't live our lives that way, but we can at least look out for each other when it does happen.
1: Our time on this beautiful planet Earth is so, so limited. And out of those slim amount of time, it's up to us to make a difference on this world. Because ultimately, when we are gone, it's our deeds that are going to be remembered. And that's the hard truth. But what if we could be just a little more productive, just be a little happier, just be a little healthier? That's why I created my podcast the self-improvement addicts podcast we discuss everything from money to productivity so if you are interested in that kind of stuff you can join me on this journey by going to any podcast platform you prefer and i hope you like it and obviously enjoy this episode which you're listening to Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Refreshingly Human with myself, Hannah Pillow. It's been great having you join me today. If you liked my content, please do share it with a friend you think would find it interesting and subscribe to the show as well. I would love to have you listening in to many episodes to come. You can find me on the socials. I'm on Facebook as Refreshingly Human and Instagram as Hannah Pillow. See you next time.